is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 71 for Monday, March the 5th, 2012. We're all back in the same room. I'm not in Florida anymore. Jason, it's not his birthday anymore. That's true. That puts me in the same room as you. It really does. Everything's back to normal. <laughs> Ish. And just before we get started, I'd like to say a happy National Tree Planting Day to you in Iran. Oh, well, that's nice. There you go. Planted tree in Iran. Yeah, it's not It's not a North American thing, although we probably have our own National Tree Planting Day. Well, there's Arbor Day is in that the a, States. Is that a, yeah, do we have that here? I don't think so. Neither do I. Um, but I'm sure we have a National Tree Planting Day, after all. I know many people who went tree planting as teenagers. Oh, yeah, me too. Up north into Red yeah, Lake and yeah. stuff like that. You got paid by the tree. <laughs> That's right. By so the number of trees you planted. The faster you could go, the better, really. That's right. But today is National Tree Planting Day in Iran, and I just wanted to send that out to everyone, just so uh, just so you know. Well, there you go. Okay. We have an, a fantastic show this week, as always. Or at least as I always say. I don't really know if it's that fantastic. But Well, yeah, you know, it's been kind of, I've been wondering about that because uh, we have, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that this show is fantastic and it's preordained. <laughs> it just means that we have a lot of exciting news and a lot of uh, exciting information. And uh, it was a very exciting show. Except and- this week we have no news. <laughs> I mean, there is news, but we're not going to talk about it because I don't want the show to be three hours long. Right. And nobody wants the show to be three hours long. So Okay, so the show's not that great. Yeah, you know, we have an average show for you today. I yeah. hope you enjoy it. All right. Sli- <laughs> slightly above average. The first thing we're going to do is recap the most recent episode of The Walking Dead, which was called Judge, Jury, Executioner. And it aired last night on AMC. And before I start, I've got an email I want to read from Jeremy in New Hampshire. And he says, During the recaps, you referred to the opening scene as a pre credit sequence. The official term for this type of scene is a cold open when it plays just before the credits. Oh. I do freelance production work for TV and film, and cold open just rolls off the tongue more smoothly. There we go. Cold open. Done. Absolutely agree. From here on in, it's a cold open. I've uh, put that in my brain. My brain will now use that phrase. <laughs> At least most of the time. I'm sure next week you'll probably say pre credit sequence. <laughs> uh, well, have I ever said pre credit sequence? I, I don't think know. that might be yours. I say it all the time. The part before the credits. It's it's an apt description of the section of the show, but I think cold open is is rolls off the tongue, as Jeremy says a lot. Better. I like it. That's a great phrase. This week's cold open starts with Daryl beating and torturing Randall in the bar. He sure did. He's punching him. He's kicking him. He's cutting him with a knife. He's doing all sorts of gross stuff. And basically, he is trying to get information out of Randall. And here is what Randall reveals, or so. If there's anything I've missed, let me know. Okay. He reveals that there are about 30 people in his group, that they never stay any one place for more than a night, and that they have heavy weapons, artillery, right. uh, what did he say? Automatics. Yeah, automatic weapons. Uh, and finally, that they are kind of sadistic rapists, mm-hmm. uh, because he relates a scene, or at least an occurrence, where they came across a campsite with a guy and his two teenage daughters, and they do bad things to the teenage daughters, and then don't even kill the guy. It's a harsh, cruel world out there with rapists on the loose. So, yeah, they are not, uh, they don't sound like very nice people. No. Is what we are, you know, what we learn there. And Randall said he's not one of them. 
Like he's he says that he didn't rape those girls and that he's uh, just hanging out with them uh, for protection and stuff, but he's not actually one of them. Yeah, uh, which, what else is he going to say? I well, mean, yeah, how he, believable is that? Really? He he could be a bad guy. He could be a good guy. I don't know. Maybe we should talk about it more later, but he's really trying to come off as a nice, friendly dude here because he doesn't want to be tortured anymore. Well, who would? That's that's kind of the idea. I'm surprised he didn't get into waterboarding. Daryl seems like the waterboarding kind of guy. <laughs> you think so, eh? I would think so. Just, you know, the, the straight fisticuffs and uh, knifey-knife and uh, kicking the gonads kind of thing. <laughs> You know, sure, that's all well and good, but, uh, you know, Daryl just strikes me as a waterboarding kind of guy. You know, maybe, but uh, I think kicking me and punching me and stabbing me with a knife, if I was in Randall's place, would probably be enough to get me to reveal everything I know. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, if you're ever holding me hostage, all you got to do is punch me a bit. I actually went to a physiotherapist one time for my knee. I've got a bad knee, and uh, he twisted and poked and prodded and pinched and squeezed and moved and stuff. I would have told him anything at that spot. It was a physiotherapist trying to help me. I would have said anything to that guy to make him stop. And he was a physiotherapist for the Leafs. (laughs) So this guy was accredited and quite good. And I just, it was absolute hell. Right. But he wasn't doing that on purpose to hurt you. I think he was. Oh, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why he would want to, but holy crap did it ever hurt. Hey, I just realized we forgot to do this. Judge, jury, executioner. That's the title of the episode, in there case you, you forgot from three seconds ago. I may have. Uh, so, in in the cold open, Daryl is clearly a little bit affected by the stories of rape, I think. It kind of took him took him aback a bit, because I think it probably reminds him of his, of his, uh, of Sophia. Right. You know, um, even though she wasn't a teenager, but he, he, I think he's sort of feeling like, man, these people are bad. Look what they've done. Who knows what could have happened to poor Sophia when she was out there by herself. Yeah. But we go to the opening credits. You know what I noticed? Nope. In the last couple of episodes, and I think this is a Glenn Mazzara change, um, the opening credits music doesn't bleed back into the scene at all. Uh, They did that a couple of episodes ago. But not in the last two. That's true. Um, whereas all the Darabont ones, at least I think so, you you kind of hear the music ramping up a little bit, so you know right. it's coming, and then you cut over. But they've stopped doing that, and hmm. I don't know if it means anything. I just noticed it. Well, two times is not as uh, you know uh, doesn't make it. Just makes it a coincidence. Doesn't actually make it a, a trend. Three times makes it's it a three. pattern. You need that third to make it uh, you know, concise. All right. Well, we'll find out next week, I guess. Yeah. See what happens. Uh, so after the credits, we come back and everyone's chatting around the campsite about what to do. Daryl walks up and up, updates them on what he found out. And Rick uh, decides that Randall's a threat and they have to kill him. Mm-hmm. So Dale and Rick sort of walk off and Dale definitely doesn't agree. You don't want to do this. I know you don't. I thought about it all night. Knowing what we know now, I don't see a way out. But you can't just d- decide on your own to take someone's life. The group seems supportive. But because I didn't speak back, you didn't let them. So Dale's clearly a little upset by this. Oh, yeah. He definitely doesn't, you know, doesn't want to just kill Randall. He thinks they've got to at least weigh all the other options. And what comes of it is Rick agrees to let Dale talk to everyone for the day, and they decide to reconvene at sunset and make a final decision. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It felt, it was another one of those things in the show to me that felt really sort of Wild West, 
reconvene at sunset <laughs> and we will decide to hang him or not. Why? You decide things at sunset. <laughs> Do you? Is that the most appropriate know. time to decide? Uh, yeah, I, the only thing I can draw on is the uh, the phrase, you, yeah, plan in the morning, you do in the afternoon, you rest in the evening, and you sleep at night. And decide at sunset. And you dust, decide at sunset and you shoot out at dawn. <laughs> Perfect. I don't see why not. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we go into the RV and Dale asks Andrea to guard Randall so nobody takes it upon themselves to preemptively kill him. Andrea appears to agree with agree with the idea of killing him, but decides to go and stand there and watch him. Well, for yeah, you don't want him to get killed before they execute him. No, no, you take all the fun of it out of it, wouldn't you? Well, it takes the civilized civilization out of it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we cut to the barn with Andrea outside. Shane and Carl come walking up, and Shane talks with Andrea about changing the leadership of the group. They have this sort of silly conversation about. We can't just lock them all in a room and take their guns. And uh, Shane's like, eh, why not? Why not? <laughs> what else are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so all the while they're talking, Randall's there in the barn, and he's listening to, to them through the cracks in the barn wall. That was dumb. Because now thought, he's got ammunition. I thought it was dumb, too. Like, Shane and Andrea honestly couldn't come to the realization that maybe if we you know reveal all our secrets right here he's right there through a crappy wooden barn wall yep that was just just plain stupid it seemed silly and you know the show even so kind of the way it was shot sort of went out of their way to indicate to the audience that randall was listening to them oh yeah don't you think we got oh, a yeah. lot of randall cam from inside the inside Randall's the barn. point of view for sure so that bugged me too. I, I couldn't believe they didn't just like, you know, walk away, you know, 50 meters and have their conversation, something right. like that. Or or yeah. acknowledge something that, you know, they don't want Randall to hear. Yeah. But they didn't. Uh, but while they're talking, Carl sneaks into the barn and just kind of lurks around. He doesn't say anything, but Randall talks to him and tries to convince him that he's actually a really good guy. I found this interesting. It was, I think it was a slightly different point of view than he gave Daryl. It, uh, the point of view he was giving Daryl was that, you know, it's just these bunch of guys, you know, and uh, I'm sort of hanging out with them. I don't care about them. They can, uh, you know, if if you're just as good as at helping me protect myself, I'm willing to help you kind of thing. What he gave to Carl was, you know, come on over to our group. We'll protect you. Yeah. You know, and this was uh, slightly more sinister. It made me trust him less. Yeah, you're right. He offers to take them back. Well, he offers to take Carl and his folks just Carl's family, right? Back and uh, you know we ha he says we have supplies, we have things, we can protect you, we can, I sort of give you a better a better existence here, right? Um, but the difference is he's talking to a kid, right? He's yeah. not talk he's not a not being tortured, he's not talking to an adult, and he's talking to a child who you sort of have to appeal to the simplest concepts, right? right? Yeah. So that's the difference. But it did make him seem even creepier. But how creepy was Carl in this scene, just going in there and standing there and uh, just looking yeah, at him? Yeah, Carl, he's slipping too. Right? He's, uh, <laughs> you know, he's a very young, impressionable kid that uh, now has uh, a nifty hat and has been shot once. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's he's not right in the head either. I think he, he's slipping too. I think so. And, and it comes up a few times in this episode, which we will get to. At that point, Shane busts in, and after putting a gun to Randall's face, he scolds Carl for talking to him, and then delivers what I think might be the worst line of two seasons of this show. What line is that? After telling Carl to go find his mom, Shane says, Carl, quit trying to get yourself killed. 
I yeah, hated kind of it. I hated it. It was, you know, there was a lot of ama- great stuff in this episode, um, but that line just bugged me. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, well, he's not really trying to get himself killed. It's silly. It's something a moron would say. <laughs> Shane's a bit of a moron. <laughs> he's a hothead. I don't know if he's a moron, but it bugged me. I, I didn't like it one bit, so next time I watch, I'm going to mute it right at that point. Okay. Good plan. <laughs> Good plan. After we come back from commercial, we go to Dale, and he goes to talk to Daryl about Randall. Uh, and Daryl decides that the group's broken, he says, and he doesn't care what happens to Randall. He also reveals that he figured out that Shane killed Otis. Mm-hmm. So that information is getting around. Everyone seems to know it now. Yep. Finally. Yeah, finally. Exactly. Lori and Rick are in the barn talking about killing Randall, and Lori asks if stringing him up is the best way to do it. And Rick says he has no idea. It's his first time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to execute a guy, you know? Yeah. So Rick's shot people before, as we know. Even in his pre-zombie life, he was a police officer. But I guess that's different than executing a dude. Well, execution is, uh, you know, very one-sided. Defending yourself is completely a whole other animal. That's true. It's very true. So Carol then sees Carl at Sophia's grave. And Carl calls her an idiot for believing in heaven. Right. Again, he's being a mouthy little prick this episode. Yes, he is. <laughs> and after that, she tells Rick and Rick and Lori that Carl's disrespectful. Rick goes to talk to him. He tells Carl he has to apologize to her and that he shouldn't talk but think. You owe Carol an apology. You made a mistake. Fix it. Is that why you're going to kill that guy? Fixing your mistake? That's different. How are you going to do it? Uh, are you going to hang him in the barn? You just think about how you're going to make things right with Carol. Don't talk. Think. Don't talk. Think. Mm-hmm. Um, again, here, Carl's kind of, you know, he's starting to realize things, I think. You know, he's 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 picking up on what's going on around him where yep. he kind of wasn't before. Well, yeah, your parents, you know, it's a weird realization when you realize that your parents don't have it all figured out. Well, Exactly. And I guess he's been forced to come to that realization maybe a little sooner than most kids because of the circumstances. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there's no arguing that he was a bit of a jerk with Carol. You oh, know, yeah. You have to be, you have to be sympathetic it, to people. With a mouthy little snot. <laughs> a what? A mouthy little snot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So Rick tells him to fix it and stop talking and think, think before he opens his mouth. That's good advice for life, really. Think first shoot later yeah so then we go to dale and he is talking to herschel about the randall problem and herschel's pretty much washed his hands of the whole thing and he wants nothing to do with it and decides that he's going to leave it in rick's capable hands right you know what else i noticed about this scene uh nope we've never seen that like big lake they have before have we the big pond they're standing they're they're gathering up the cattle because they got out and they're beside a big pond it might be a man-made thing it might not be yeah. i don't know no i don't think we have yeah so neat they got all that water there they could go swimming they could they could uh collect it for drinking i don't know drown rats There's all <laughs> kinds of stuff they could do in there all kinds of stuff if they have a litter of cats they don't want yeah <laughs> uh so we go back to carl and he's rooting around daryl's camp and he goes to steal a, and he goes to uh, look at the motorcycle and he steals a gun yes he does so now the mouthy little shit is armed Yes, he is. <laughs> he goes for a walk in the woods, and lo and behold, he comes across a walker stuck in the swamp. 
And uh, once he realizes he can't, the walker can't get at him, he starts to throw his rocks at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this zombie looked awesome. He did. Oh, yeah. You know, it was it was a zombie that we got a really b- well-lit, clear view on, and he looked fantastic. Feature zombie. Feature uh, hero zombie. Hero zombie. They call them hero zombies, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know who played this zombie, but the makeup job and just the, the acting was, was really good. I yeah, think. it was great. You know, we've got some other, you know, we've got other zombies, of course, like the teabag zombie and, and some other ones, but... This is the first time we've, well, not maybe not first time, but this one was just standing there. He was doing his thing and uh, really freaked me out. Mm-hmm. We go to commercial and come back and Dale goes to chat with Shane. There was mm-hmm. a lot of Dale walking around talking to people in this episode. Well, yeah. That's what he said he was going to do. Yeah. Better go all. talk to everybody. And he tells him that killing Randall doesn't change the fact that there's 30 of them, but it does change us. Yep. I think Dale has a really good point here. Very good point. You know, uh, this makes us murderers. And not only that, but if we kill this guy and his friends are looking for him, when they find us and find out we killed him, they're not going to be happy. Well, who would? If they were sort of, you know, if they were mild, moderately friendly, maybe, they're not going to be oh, anymore. Well, they've already killed four other guys. Well, yeah, I know, but... They're not going to be happy anyway. They're not going to be happy anyway, but this certainly doesn't help. All right, so you killed the two guys in the bar, and then there was a shootout where you killed another two guys, and then uh, this guy you let live. So, yeah, you're all right with us. You're all right. We're square. I guess, yeah. I don't think so. (laughs) Shane disagrees with Dale and delivers um, one of the best lines, I think, of the episode at least, and he says, you're wrong, Dale. You're dead wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. A little bit of foreshadowing there, maybe. A little bit. Back in the farm, we've got Herschel and Glenn having a chat, and Herschel gives Glenn his grandfather's watch and accepts him as a good man for his daughter. Well, that's nice. Did this make you happy, this scene? It made me happy a little bit. I think so, too. Uh, I oh, think... A lot of pressure on Glenn now. <laughs> this is it. I'm, You know, my grandfather gave this to me, or my grandfather gave this to my father that gave it to me, and uh, I'm passing it on to you. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa here, buddy. We were just dating. And and she's not even... I'm, I'm not even into her right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it is and it isn't. I mean, there are not a lot of men left in this world. So what else is Herschel going to do? He better get used to him. Yeah, I just I think he could have waited until he popped the question or asked for her hand in marriage or something, <laughs> you know, just kind of just kind of dating. It's yeah. not the time to give somebody the heirloom watch and welcoming, welcoming him to the family. Well, in the real world, maybe not. But in the zombie world, I think it's probably okay because you never know how much time anyone has left. That's true. And I think, why wait? Why not accept the guy, give him the watch, and you know, hope he lives a long, healthy life? So basically, if you're going to bang anybody, bang my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And here's a watch. And here's a watch so you can keep time. You I can time it. <laughs> Just don't get back to me on that. Yeah, yeah, don't let me know. So we go back to Carl, and he's still with the zombie. He approaches it with the gun raised, but all the twisting and turning the zombie is doing in the mud, he kind of gets one leg free and lunges at Carl Mm -hmm. and almost gets him. Yep, that was a close one. He gets his hand on his feet, but Carl gets away and loses the gun. Yep. He leaves the gun in the swamp, so one less gun, and presumably some bullets are gone. 
Uh, we go to commercial, and when we come back, it is now sunset. Mm-hmm. Carl comes strolling back after his encounter, all nonchalant, like everything's fine. All the adults go into the farm to figure out what to do, and Carl is told to go wait with Jimmy. So go right. sit at the kids' table. That's right. While the grown-ups talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after a fair bit of deliberation and debate, Dale, Dale makes his case for Randall's life and tops it off with this. You once said... We don't kill the living. Oh, that was before the living tried to kill us. But don't you see, if we do this, the, the people that we were, the, the world that we knew is dead. And this new world is ugly. It's harsh. It's, 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 it's a survival of the fittest. And that's a world I don't want to live in. And I don't, I don't believe that any of you do. I can't. Please. Let's just do what's right. Uh, and at that point, Andrea Andrea is the only one who really agrees with him. Which I thought was very <clears throat> odd. You think so? I think so. I mean, she's been with uh, Shane for so long and been agreeing with him and how to protect the group and all that kind of stuff. This kind of change of heart uh, I thought was a little... I don't know if it was out of character. I just it, it didn't feel natural, like a natural progression to me. You know, I'm I'm kind of with you, but at the same time, you know, and I'm not sure anyone else. It would have made more sense if anyone else kind of stood up and agreed with them, because pretty much everybody sort of thinks, well, what can we do? He's probably a threat, and we need to eliminate that threat. Yeah, right. So why not make it Andrea? The thing that I didn't see coming is that earlier in the episode, when they're talking in the RV. And he asks her to go guard Randall. She makes it pretty clear that she's with Shane. So I think she kind of had her mind changed inside this scene. Well, in, I would. I house. think so. I think I agree with you there. You know, she she, or Dale's argument won her over. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. This warmed my heart. Yes. Because I thought that uh, you know finally we have some kind of connection between Andrea and Dale, and I'm all happy and excited. I should have known. I we, should have known. We had some sort of connection in season one, but then nothing for a long time. And yep. and now we have another connection here, which is going to be short-lived, I guess. Yeah. Um, but no one else speaks up. And so after that long debate, sort of Dale kind of storms out and they, you know, unspokenly agree to stick with the plan and kill Randall. Right. So we go to commercial. Rick, Shane, and Daryl are taking Randall to the barn. They blindfold him, and Rick points a gun at his head. Yep. And in the long gun-holding pause, Randall's there begging for his life and, uh, you know, not feeling too good about things. And then Carl walks in and says, do it, Dad. Creepy little Carl comes in. Do it. Do it, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, creepy Carl comes in, and he tells his dad to kill him. Yeah. And, you know, that's what causes Rick to think again and decide that he can't bring himself to shoot an innocent man in the head. So Carl didn't listen to his dad's advice. Just, you know, if you're there and you want to watch something happen, just shut your mouth. Because you opened your mouth and you stopped the whole thing. Yeah, don't talk, think. I, maybe Carl had been thinking this whole time and decided this was the moment he was going to say something. He said that he didn't, yeah. If he wanted that guy to die, if he wanted Randall to, to get executed, he shouldn't have said anything. Because it was going to happen. Do you think it was going to happen? Was Rick going to be able to pull that trigger? Oh, yeah. 
you know, Tony and Dave, he killed in self-defense. Yeah. This guy, he was killing uh, in a much, much weaker self-defense, if well, you know he, what I mean. Yes, but it was defense of the group. It was defense of his family. He would do anything to defend his family. Preemptive self-defense is what this would have been. It's the American way. <laughs> okay, maybe. Uh I, I think I agree. I think Rick was going to actually pull the trigger until uh, Carl walked in. He couldn't do it in front of his son is the problem. Well, not only that, but he also realizes that Carl is becoming cold and heartless. And this doing something like this is not going to change that. Right. So meanwhile, Dale goes for a walk out in the <laughs> uh, field. And um, because he's so distraught over not being able to convince everyone to keep Randall alive. Yeah. And he finds a half-dead cow... That has been gutted by a zombie. Yeah, you'd think Han Solo was there trying to keep lukewarm or something. <laughs> you would think. Uh, this cow made noises even worse than the Tauntaun, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as Dale's looking at it, a zombie sneaks up behind him and pushes him to the ground and gets on top of him. Yep. He starts uh, screaming, of course. Everybody comes running, but it's too late. The zombie tears a huge hole in Dale's midsection. Is that possible? <sighs> Well, that's a good question. I know. Okay, so for a human being, for me to dig into somebody's stomach hard enough to be able to rip the skin open and guts to come flying out, I don't know if that that is entirely possible. But if I'm a zombie and I have my hands all ripped down to shreds and I have direct bones sticking out of my fingers and I didn't see that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it was uh, enough... of exposed bone chipped away to provide a cutting edge to rip into his guts. I think that's probably part of it. Um, I also think you could actually tear into someone's soft flesh if you tried hard enough with your bare hands. I don't think that's impossible. I don't know. Now, whether a zombie would do that or not, I don't know. Zombies typically go for the biting, but maybe in the mayhem of trying to get at Dale, he inadvertently started ripping his stomach open and well, then once bite. you start once you start he couldn't stop dale had a hold of his shoulders he couldn't get close enough to bite at all he just had his hands so that's what he was doing yeah but the point is dale now has a giant hole in his midsection yeah and a giant hole that he's not going to recover from uh by this time everyone has kind of run up daryl's the first one there and when carl gets there he realizes that the zombie he freed from the swamp is the one that got Dale. Yep. So uh, how's that going to affect his little attitude? Well, it was very upsetting. He went. He ran to mom and uh, <laughs> crawled into her arms and started sobbing like the 12-year-old he is. Do we think he's going to admit to his parents what happened? Oh, that's a... I don't know. Not willingly. You know what? It's not... I mean, his behavior this whole episode was not, um, you know, was not great, but... The two events, him taunting and, you know, inadvertently releasing the zombie in the swamp and then it killing Dale aren't uh, aren't directly related. No, but not to a 12-year-old year old they, they are. Sure, to a 12-year-old there's cause and response there, but yeah. in actual fact there's not. I mean, it could have been any zombie or it could have not happened. That's right. It's one didn't cause the other. Well, yeah, you can, uh, what is it, uh, post hoc ergo propter hoc? <laughs> after it therefore because of it right say it's, it's a latin it's a warning yes. meaning just because you know event b happened after event a doesn't mean event a caused event b yeah what's the other phrase causality is not um there's another one i forget 
Anyways, and uh, it's also important to note that, uh, you know, based on the multiverse and time travel and the, uh, you know, the continuum, uh, event A, if it does cause event B, doesn't necessarily mean that event A happened before event B. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Correlation does not imply causality is the right. phrase I was trying to come up with. That's exactly what, uh, you know, uh, post hoc ergo propter hoc right. means. <laughs> I'm not sure which one is more difficult to say, yeah. but they mean roughly the I same learned thing. that phrase from the West Wing. Well, there you go. You can learn stuff from TV. You sure can. Well, so everyone is there, as I said, and they realize that Dale is suffering and he has no chance of survival because they can't get him back to the farm and they can't work on him in the dark in the middle of a field. Quick, and... assemble an operating theater. <laughs> Well, um, if anyone could do it, I'd say Herschel, but yeah. even he cannot do that. So they realize he's suffering and he has no chance of survival. Rick pulls out his gun to yeah. shoot Dale. And as he's pointing it at him and hesitating, as you do with guns on TV, Daryl moves Rick aside and takes the gun, points it at Dale and hesitates. And then Dale raises his head toward the he sure does. barrel of the gun Daryl says, sorry, brother, and we cut the black and hear a gunshot. Yeah. I'm still in shock. Are you? I am. I couldn't believe Dale was killed off. Me neither. You know? It, yes, it was it was it was very, very shocking. <clears throat> I would after that episode, I just sat there and just like, holy crap, they killed Dale. I know. So there's a number of things to discuss here. First of all, no one predicted, at least nobody I know predicted that Daryl would be saying sorry, brother, to Dale. Nope. Um, and so that was a, that was a huge surprise. That was, you know, just amazing. And the other thing is there was a story, um, when Darabont was let go from the show that one of the primary actors was so upset about this, he asked to be released from his contract and word was apparently he had a change of heart and he was like, no, 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 everything's fine now. But at that point it was too late. I think it was probably... I think it's pretty clear now that it was probably Jeffrey Dumont. You know, that occurred to me at lunch today. I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I didn't even see this. Like, yeah. You know, look at the history between uh, Frank Darabont and Jeffrey Dumont. You know, of course he's going to be upset. Well, of course he's going to be upset, but he's not the only cast member to have a history with Darabont. You no. know, Laurie Holden was in a lot of his stuff, and um, uh, Maybe that's the only other one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that that's a big connection there. Yeah. With, uh, you know, with the, the Green Mile and uh, the Mist, uh, there's there's a long history of friendship there, right? And I just, I can't believe that I didn't, this didn't occur to me before, that this was the actual case where a cast member was upset and asked to be released from his contract. I'm like, oh, crap. Yep. Makes perfect sense now. And even if he... Changed his mind later. I guess they'd already written it. They'd already committed it to part of the storyline, and Dale's dead. Yeah. So there you go. Hell of a twist. We got an email from Christopher in Hawaii, and he says, I'm really interested to hear how you guys felt about Dale leaving the show. From what I hear on the web, it seems a lot of people are glad to see his character go. I felt Dale gave a lot to the story and was very depressed from this development. I was hoping to see Dale and Shane reach boiling points at some time, and although I'm sure Shane would have dealt with him in the end, I would have liked to see old man Dale give Shane a run for his money. Yeah. I feel that Dale was a central character and that his death was weakened. His death has weakened the group's chemistry. I'm hoping the program does not suffer from Dale's loss. 
and I feel like my dog just died of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of with Christopher in Hawaii here a little bit because Dale was a good character and he's an important character and he brings something to the show that. You know, he brings the older sort of wisdom perspective that yeah. no one else really does. Yeah. I guess we have Herschel still, but Herschel's kind of given up on everything. Oh, he's a little wishy-washy now. He doesn't care anymore. He doesn't like, have Do those... your thing. I'm going to chase my cows. And if you have any decisions to make, you know, I'll sit in the room, but I'm not saying anything. Yeah. He didn't say... Well, he, I think he had one line in that conversation. Yeah. I found it interesting in that conversation that, uh, that Carol piped up and said, uh, leave me alone. You know, like, why? Yeah. Why did you open your mouth? We just wanted to be, you know, I don't care what you do. Just leave me out of it. Dale called her on it, too. He said not speaking up is as good as killing him yourself. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think it was just to get that point across. But uh, so we've got no more Dale. So I don't know. I was I was surprised. I was shocked. And I'm a little saddened that he's gone. But I suppose he could always return as a ghost Jedi and give <laughs> give advice to characters as they travel through the world. Use the force, Harry. <laughs> or Rick. <laughs> uh, now, the other thing I wanted to bring up in this episode is that um, it was directed by Greg Nicotero. Right. And I wanted to say, is there anything this guy can't do? I mean, he's, he's a spectacular practical effects guy. Yeah. He's a producer on the show, and apparently he's a really good director because I thought the direction in this episode was second to none. Yeah, I would I, say so. I really liked it. Uh, I know he's not the cinematographer, but I thought there were great camera angles and all the shots were composed really well. The The bad line that delivered by Shane wasn't really his fault because he's not a writer, although he did write those webisodes. Yeah, I mean, the director's job is to get a good performance out of the actors, too, right? So it, I he's partially to blame for that line, I would say. Eh, but he didn't write it. I mean, No, but he decided that it was the line needed to be said. He decided that that was a good enough delivery and they shouldn't do it another way or take another take. That's he, true. He okayed it, went, yep, good, okay, let's move on. I agree with that. You're right. I mean, he, he left it in there. I suppose he, he did probably had the power to cut it out if he wanted to. I yeah. don't know. Does the director have that kind of power on set? Well, he I might. mean, the, the the director and the uh, the editors go into a room and they do their thing, and that's then true. other people come in and go, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's true. So, okay. Other than that, I think he did a fine job, though, and the guy is multi talented. He very much is. And finally, this episode was all about was clearly all about the new sort of morality that we have in the post zombie apocalypse world, and you know. Almost a lot of the episodes are about this to a certain extent, but this is the one that I think really thoroughly dealt with it. Yeah. And we had a character walking around asking everyone or trying to convince everyone that we shouldn't let all of our humanity go yep. once and for all. This is the uh, that you know speech that Dale gave uh, at <clears throat> dusk there at the sunset uh, was the opposite speech that Apollo gave in Battlestar Galactica when. Uh, What's his name? Gaius was on, uh, Baltar was on trial. Yep. And he said, uh, you know, look, we've all done some pretty crappy things. You know, what's he done that's any different than the rest of us? And they're all like, yeah, okay, you make a good point there. This is the opposite. This is, you know, let's stop here and maintain our civilized, civil civilization at this point and not go that extra step. You know, don't take that step because it's a slippery slope. And you can never take it back. You can never take it back. You take that one step, it's going to be Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Well, they're they're almost there already. Carl's going that way, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you pig head on a stick. 
Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? That could show up anytime. Yeah. Um, I think this episode was it's was one of the better ones. I think people might complain that it was too talky and there weren't enough zombies, as people do. Yeah, what are you gonna do? But you know what? They might sort of they might have saved it with the with the end. I think the uh, you know the slippery slope of morality and uh, the state of human civilization in the face of complete uh, apocalypse is exactly what this show is about. This was, you know, the essence of this show in one episode. Absolutely. And it's more than enough to keep me interested, even at the lack of a lot of zombie action. Right. That's Which how we I did feel. get zombie action. We did. We got zombie taunting. We got zombie taunting. We, we got, got, you know, throwing rocks at zombies. <laughs> Carl does not have a good arm. Did you notice? The first rock he throws bounces off the zombie's arm. Yeah. And the second one is just kind of a weak little. Uh. Well, my question, I'm questioning whether or not that was a real rock that he threw. Or whether it was CG later on. I bet in. it was. It might have been made of foam, but it was, he threw something, I think. I don't know. He's throwing <laughs> a foam. Seeing a foam rock fly through the air is like golfing with a whiffle ball. You know, <laughs> really, you can tell the difference between a real golf ball and a whiffle ball being hit. That guy, that kid throws like a girl, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just thinking that he may have thrown something, but I think they added the rock digitally later. Because you're not going to throw a rock at a guy standing there stuck in the mud. You might. It's a stunt guy. He knows how to take a hit from a rock. They weren't big rocks. You don't rocks. know how to take a hit from a rock. You stand there and you get whacked in, it in the wherever with a rock. <laughs> There's no skill involved in that. It's just <laughs> desire for abuse. Whacked in the wherever. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on because uh, we've been going for a while already, and I made a conceited effort this this show to do the recap quicker. Concerted effort. Uh, concerted effort. I made a conceited effort because <laughs> I'm so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I wasn't so stupid. <laughs> I made a concerted effort to make the... Did you write that down, conceited effort? No, I didn't. Oh, okay, uh, that's good. not in the notes here. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wanted to make it shorter because they get kind of long, and I don't know if we need the the minute by minute recap. Right. So I'm trying to make it a little shorter. There were there were entire scenes I didn't mention in that recap. Awesome. So uh, <laughs> there you go. If I ever skip anything you think is important, let me know. Okay. Okay. Before we move on to our next segment, uh, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, and that is Audible. And for you, the listeners of the Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free. 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. That is double the length of free trial uh, that we've had before. And Jason, I want you, I'm hoping you can recommend a book to everybody. You know, I'm going to recommend a book I've never read, but That's I'm okay. planning on getting because it's a new release on Audible. It's The Stand by Stephen King. Very apocalyptic kind of thing. Is that, a, is that a recent book of his or no, is it an old book? Old, old book. Okay, yeah. Uh, one of his, uh, way back in the 80s at least. But... Uh, yeah, the stand uh, basically some kind of super flu takes out a majority of the human race, and uh, it's about the aftermath, uh, I think. So that's kind of relevant to today's yeah, society. It's very apocalyptic, and uh, so I thought I'd recommend it because it's new on uh, on Audible, and I actually plan on getting this because I want to listen to it, and it comes in at a whopping forty-seven hours and fifty-six minutes. That's forty-eight hours of audio. That's uh, good value for your Audible money. Narrated by a guy named Grover Gardner. Even better. Even better. There's nothing wrong with this. This is perfect. <laughs> well, awesome. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for your free audiobook. Holy crap. Did you see that? 
That's right. It's that time again. Holy crap. Did you see that? We've got a whole bunch this week, so let's uh, get through them as quick as we can. Sure. Read double fast. Uh, no. Okay. First one is from Scott in South Jersey. This is about the episode Trigger Finger. He says, when the new guys are outside the bar and have already cleared most of the buildings looking for Tony and Dave, one says, has anyone cleared this building yet? He gets a no, then another no, and replies, we're looking for Tony and Dave and nobody thinks to check the bar. <laughs> Made <laughs> yeah. me laugh pretty hard. Good stuff. Uh, I didn't catch that the first time I watched through, but I did catch it later when I was preparing for our podcast about that episode. But it's, it's funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Jennifer from Sydney, Australia wrote in also about Trigger Finger. She says, during the fight between Rick and Shane toward the end, Rick has Shane on the ground and is just continuously punching his face. The sound effects they used uh, are similar to the ones for zombies. Lots of squelching wet noises. Mm -hmm. It just grossed me out and I was expecting Shane to have half his face caved in and completely messed up based on the sounds. Do you remember seeing that and listening to it? Uh, I... I sort of half remember the the squelchy sounds and just recognizing that as standard Walking Dead sound effects. They are standard Walking Dead sound effects, but I did expect, I'm with Jennifer, I expected him to have a little bit more blood on his face because he came up pretty clean after that squishy sound. Oh, these people heal super fast in this show. (laughs) I mean, uh, Daryl's no longer missing part of his ear. Uh, He doesn't have a bandage on. Carl's been shot, but he's running around just fine. How, How long has it been? Well, not only that, and they said Randall, if they tore his leg off that fence, it would, you know, it would destroy his calf muscle. He was standing up. Week later, he's standing up, you know, walking around, maybe limping a bit, but still. Yeah. Shane twisted his ankle earlier in this season, and that seems to have gone away pretty quick. Yeah, people heal really, really quickly in this show. Lucky these people have such a good healing factor. Maybe it was all, maybe Shane was, uh, it sounded all squelchy because Shane was crying. And he's just water pouring out of his face. And <laughs> as Rick was punching him, he was punching he was, him in his tears. He was punching water, <laughs> punching tears. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Daniel uh, from the U.S. Army stationed in Afghanistan, he says, and wrote in uh, on the episode 18 miles out, says, my holy crap, did you see that moment was when Rick and Randall were saving Shane at the bus. Randall's neck was duct taped to the headrest in the car he was driving. I thought that was funny. Yep. I didn't notice that. No, I didn't notice that either. <laughs> it's funny. I did. I don't know how I missed that, but again, I went back to check it, and it sure is. He's duct tape around the neck and around the headrest. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. Yeah, you try and go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. I duct taped somebody to a pole one time in high school, uh, just for fun. We were walking through, walking around the locks in, in the Sioux when I was in high school, and. Uh, for some reason, I had duct tape with me because that's the kind of guy that I am. It has a light side, a dark side, and it binds the universe together. That's right. And so for some reason, uh, a few of us got together and just duct taped Marie Hillstrom to the uh, to a pole. How long do you leave? Marie? Yeah. A dude? No, a girl. How, you duct taped a girl to a pole? Yeah, I was with, I think I was only with girls. I think it Are was you me sh- and like four other girls. Are you sure you should be admitting this to all of our listeners? Well, we didn't do anything. We just duct taped her in and said, ha, 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 you got duct taped to a pole, and then we cut her free. And then you cut her free. Okay. That makes it a little less. It's malicious. It was just duct, you know, I bike locked myself to a pole one time. One of those U-locks. On purpose? Yeah, I wanted to see if it would fit around my neck and the pole. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Very good. This comes from, this call comes from Drew in Illinois. Hi, this is Drew from Illinois. I have two, holy crap, did you see that moment from 18 miles out? I 
typically don't get to watch the episode until later in the week, but on the plus side, that means I get to watch the episode and then listen to your show pretty much back to back. So anyway, the first one is something that you mentioned, but I don't think you took it as important, made it as important as I did. Uh, when Shane and Rick are walking away from Randall on the ground, Randall yells out, don't be stupid, I'm not like them. And he goes on and says, I'm not like the guys I was with. But when he is fighting off the zombie, he breaks the arm and then taunts the zombie and stabs it seven times that we see. I think that implies that Randall is kind of a psycho, and maybe he has more to do with those people uh, than he, than we thought, that he was with those people for a reason. Um, the second one that I had is uh, we were you were arguing about whether Rick had decided to leave Shane, and when Rick and Randall are standing by the police car uh, watching Shane in the bus, Rick says, let's go, he did this, we're going. And Shane watches them walk away, and for a minute, even for the minute that he sees them walking away, he thinks that Rick has finally made the decision that Shane would do and leave an injured person behind in order to escape. So those were my holy crap moments, and I love the show. Thanks. So thank you, Drew, from Illinois. Um, Drew is right. Randall's the leader. Oh, Randall's the leader? <laughs> Randall's the leader. It's your your typical uh, Kaiser Sose situation. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't. That, I never thought of that. Yeah, Randall's the. Oh, he's the boss. Well, but uh, you know, if that's the case, why would they leave him on the roof? Screw you! I'm leaving you. You know, maybe it's all a ploy. Maybe it's the pirates' code. It's a ploy to infiltrate this group and find out where they are. Because Randall's the leader. He's the toughest. He's the best actor. He he can. By falling on a fence. Oh man, I think it's the pirates' code. You fall behind, you get left behind. Maybe, but I'm not sure. Falling on the well, falling on the fence might not have been part of it. Yeah. Anyway, like maybe. Oh, that's something. Uh, good one. We'll have to see how that turns out. I think Drew's right though that uh, he's a little more psycho than he leads on. Oh, totally. We've there's been a few indications of that. I think in the last couple of episodes. Join us. We'll uh, we'll treat you good. Uh, got, you know, you'll be happy over there. Everything's fine. We got food. Everything's good there. We, we rape people. How could that be bad? <laughs> yeah, he's evil. Yeah. Shannon from Missouri writes in, my holy crap, did you see that moment for this week's episode would be the Dale biting the bullet. Would be Dale biting the bullet, not the Dale. The Dale (laughs) biting a bullet. Did not see his death coming. It seems to be a message from the world that they're living in now that that there are little morals and it's all about survival. Sad, the most compassionate guy had to die in probably the worst way from anyone else in the group. Um... I hope also hope Carl realizes what a little shit he is for taunting that goatee zombie. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had other people write in with that as their moment too, including Rich from Vancouver. He said, my holy crap, did you see that moment was when Dale was approaching the cow and was tackled by that walker. I was literally yelling at the TV because I did not <laughs> want Dale to die. I sat there in horror as Dale was deboweled. <laughs> deboweled. What an ending to the only true voice of reason in the group. We also got emails from Ashley in Pittsburgh, Samantha and Kevin in Ohio, and Max from Michigan with the same choice. Wow. So pretty powerful moment. Everyone everyone agrees. Oh, also Kate in Dallas. Hmm. So there you go. Beth in Arkansas writes in and says, when Carl showed up in that shed with Randall looking all creepy, uh, I said, oh my God, what are you doing? And that's my holy crap, did you see that moment? Carl was pretty rebellious this episode. Usually he's been a pretty good kid, but he did the opposite of what he was told the whole show. Yes, he did. He's uh, he's 
he's uh, reaching out for attention, maybe? I don't know. I think he's just kind of struggling with his own psychosity. <laughs> Good word, That's man. That's not a word. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. He's uh, he's he's mentally slipping down in, into the dark side, and uh, it's a struggle. Definitely. Pretty soon he'll be more machine than man. <laughs> Is that a Terminator reference? No, it's uh, Darth Vader. Well, we've had a lot of Star Wars references. More machine show. now than man. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. More machine than man. Finally, Chris in Georgia says, my moment was how sneaky Carl was to get in the barn with Randall. A little bit of foreshadowing there about his stealthiness. Mm-hmm. So he could become a stealth ninja master. Yes. Ninja cowboy. Ninja cowboy. Uh, Jason, let's get to your holy crap, did you see that moment? You can go first this week. You know, uh, I think the only thing that I really noticed that uh, made me think a couple of times double take was the uh, double think double think yeah. was the uh, the ss insignia insignia <laughs> on daryl's motorcycle gas tank yeah i noticed that too and uh i was thinking of choosing that as well um what do you think about it you know i uh i'm not sure that daryl falls into the kind of uh nazi loving redneck category don't forget though it's merle's motorcycle i think i think he I think it was his brother's, and his brother is the real serious racist redneck type. Okay, that sort of explains it. I just didn't think that it really fit into Daryl's character, and I, because of that, I was wondering why they put it in the show at all. Now, that said, I'm not sure it was actually a reference to Secret Service Nazi stuff. or uh, Schultzstoffel. Oh, right, but... I looked it up, and I don't think that, I think, I mean, obviously it's inspired by that. Right. But I believe the Hells Angels have adopted that. According to Wikipedia, the Hells Angels have adopted that symbol as lightning bolts, and there are some theories that they issue that patch right. to members of the gang who have killed in the name of the gang and or are about to kill in the name of the gang. Right. So although it is definitely inspired by, you know, Nazis, it's not, it doesn't have quite the same meaning today as it does or, or as it originally did right well the, uh, the stutzelstoffel or stutzstoffel is uh it's a protection squadron okay so they are they are the secret service or the the uh the protection of the nazi party right so they're the basically the secret service of of the nazi party right okay i think well S- slightly different but. i i don't know but it was it was certainly there um i'm sort of choosing that whole scene too uh i liked how um, Carl walks first walks up to the motorcycle and kind of grabs it the handlebars and sort of revs a little bit like a kid kind of would. Yep. And then the next thing he does is go and grabs a weapon. Right, rifling through the bags. Hey, a pistol. A pistol. But he was looking for that gun. Like you think so? I think he was looking for that gun. I don't think he was just you know looking through someone's stuff. Well, I got the impression he was just looking through stuff. And he got lucky to find a gun? No, I think yeah. he was looking for the gun. He was going out into the woods to shoot at trees, but then he found a zombie. I don't know. I think you're reading a lot into that that I didn't see. Well, no. I I mean, Carl, he doesn't have a gun otherwise, right? I don't think so. Not well, right they, now. No, they gave him one for a while, but then they took it away? If I'm... I'm if not I remember sure. correctly. I'm, well, I'm confusing it with the comic book. Yeah, I know. in the comic, he has uh, he has one, and it's on him all the time. Yeah, I think in the TV show they gave him one to practice, but they took it away. Right. So he doesn't have one. So he's looking for one because he wants to go and shoot some more. But he knows if he asks his parents, they'll be like, "No way." Right. Anyhow, I think he was looking for the gun. But uh, the other thing I noticed too 
is in a different scene, um, Daryl is wearing a motorcycle jacket with angel wings on yeah. the back of it. <laughs> that was funny. Which I think is also a Hell's Angels thing. Right. I think they that's their symbol. So there was a lot of motorcycle gang gangery in this episode. Gangery. References. Um so there you go. If you have holy crap, did you see that moments? By all means send them in to us by email or by voice message and we will do our best to get them on the show. Up next, it's listener feedback. Listener feedback. Okay. Uh, the first one we have here is is a call from Carl in Birmingham. And he is calling in response to something you discussed last week, Jason. So okay. it's a little bit long. Carl, I did edit down the, uh, I don't know, three or so minutes you sent in just for time. But I'm playing as much of it here as I can. So uh, hopefully I didn't mess up your, your message or anything like that. But I think it's pretty much intact. Okay. <laughs> and uh, here's what Carl had to say. Hi, guys. Uh, it's Carl in Birmingham. Uh, long time no speak. I'm really pleased that you guys are back on the air after the hiatus. Uh, I've been loving the last uh, few shows, both uh, your podcast and uh, the TV show, obviously. The uh, reason I'm calling in is I just wanted to uh, discuss Jason's point about whether uh, the conversation with Laurie and Andrea was sexist. Now, I understand where this is coming from because obviously it ties back to um, Tell It to the Frogs in episode one, which everyone sort of said was, uh, you know, borderline uh, in terms of its portrayal of uh, women role models and, uh, and kind of society roles. However, um, I, I do think there is a very subtle difference between the two. And I'd argue against Jason in this case that actually I don't think this was the writers being sexist or even the show being sexist. I actually think that um, if you look at Tell It to the Frogs, you were placing women in a very uh, genre typical, uh, sorry, um, gender typical um, role and sort of doing the washing and that kind of thing. And, uh, and although they kind of made a joke out of it, it still felt very much like they were sort of dividing everybody between those those. Um, the gender gender roles. However, uh, I think in uh, in eighteen miles out, the, the the subtle distinction here was that it wasn't the show that was dividing the women in that way. It was Laurie, and and I think that's that's the big distinction because for me, Laurie. Uh, maybe represents that, that sort of group of women out there who are still very much sort of tied into traditional uh, gender roles. And uh, when you when you kind of look at things like, for example, her her choice of men, um, both Shane and Rick, they're both guys who you know are very men's men. Uh, they'll protect her. They're uh, you know they're, they're gruff. They're manly. Um, and I think basically that's the that's the distinction here. This is Laurie expressing her opinion rather than the writers expressing her opinion, which is a valid opinion. There are women out there who, who do still think like that as much as there are women out there who want to sit on top of RVs with rifles. Um, and I think what's nice about that is, for me, it shows a, a progression in, in the whole gender argument because uh, we are beginning to see women step, step outside of those traditional roles. And I think, um, obviously, readers of the comic uh, will be aware when Michonne comes in, um, then, you know, you, you're going to see that taken to a, hopefully a, a whole new level. Um, but uh, yeah, just my thoughts on that. Uh, I thought I'd leave that with you and uh, I'll speak to you guys soon. All right. Bye. Mate. Jason. Well, excellent. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's hard to distinguish between, you know, the show being, uh, having a, a, you know, a very sexist kind of uh, gender specific ideal and Lori having that very specific ideal of, uh, what the gender role should be. Um, I'm not sure that, uh, that I make that distinction, like whether or not it's the show being sexist or whether it's Laurie being sexist. I just think that that opinion is sexist. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if there's a difference between a character feeling that way and the show feeling that way. Yeah. I don't know if the show can I don't think a show can have an opinion. It's the it's the message that is portrayed to us as viewers. Right. And, and I think that the fact that it's in the show that they're having this discussion is very progressive. It, and it's good that they're having that uh, kind of argument saying that, you know, you should be helping out with these these things which happen to be gender specific or, you know, traditional gender roles where uh, Andrea is saying, you know, look, I'm still I'm still helping the group. I'm still doing my, a job to help protect the people that uh, we know and love. It just doesn't happen to be smack and closed against a rock in order to get them clean for the man folk. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's uh, so the fact that they're having this discussion in the show is a good thing. If they were just having these, if everybody was divided down gender lines and nobody ever said anything, that would be the show being sexist. And that would probably piss me off even more. Yeah. And it's fine. It's, it's as, um, Carl said, you know, it's 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 good that we get a variety of characters here that in some ways represent, you know, the variety of people in the real world. Right. And we get a different we get a lot of different opinions and it makes for a more interesting show, I think. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Carl. Uh, Andrew from the Internet wrote in, he says, in 18 miles out, Rick coming back to rescue Shane highlights the key difference between the two men. Rick still sees Shane as his brother and wants to preserve what little he can from the world he used to know. I don't think Rick could live with himself knowing that he would have been responsible for the death of his brother, even though Shane basically tried to steal his family. Um, if the roles had been reversed, I think Shane would have shot Randall and left Rick for dead without thinking twice. I wonder if his near brush with death will make him realize that the most important thing to have in a zombie apocalypse is someone who's got your back 100%. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think Shane's going to change his mind anytime soon. Uh, he, you know, he might change it at uh, at the speed of a bullet through his skull. <laughs> yeah, that's change your mind pretty quick when there's a bullet flying through it. That's the moment you might want to do that. But who knows? We will have to see. Yeah. Thank you for your email, Stephen uh, from London, UK. Writes, you guys uh, are talking about how it was a strange scene when Rick cut his finger to attract a walker to the fence. I agree, it is strange but I think it makes more sense with hindsight from when Shane is trapped in the school bus and using the same technique to take out walkers there. Looking at it from a storytelling point of view, it's less about the technique itself and more about Shane observing what maybe uh, Rick can take care of himself and others and that calm collected approach to situations like this are sometimes more of an effective are more effective than Shane's usual barnstorming, no pun intended, shoot first and think later approach. Shut up and think. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I, I what what Stephen is saying is just that it's it's a storytelling device more than an actual, you know, thing where they're trying to they're not trying to tell us that blood attracts zombies. They're trying to show us that Shane might actually be learning from right. his leader. That's Rick. a very good point. That's a totally. very good point. Totally. Kurt in New York says after Rick kills the first fence bloodlick zombie. Was a good name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he twists the knife hard, pulls, and the zombie drops. Maybe this is just to confirm the kill, but we know a freaking screwdriver will do the job instantly, so I don't see why a twist would be demanded for lethality reasons. Right. Is lethality a word? Why not? I think so. We're making up words left, right, and center. That one's fine. Probably I, might even be real. It might even be real. Good. He goes on. It might, however, shatter a larger hole in the skull, allowing easier knife withdrawal. When Shane is in the school bus and tries the blood lick trick, 
He also twists the knife to release, and it works. However, the second time he does it, he tries to twist, fails, and the walker's head pulls the knife out of his hand. Watch carefully the very next shot. He yells out, and we see him holding nothing but a desperate expression on his face. Did you catch that, that he lost his knife? No, I didn't, actually. Neither did I when I watched it the first time, but it's um, something we've seen in the comic, of course, and it happened to Shane. Mm -hmm. Knife gets stuck in a skull, and he can't get it out. So. Yeah, that's the worst. So last week when we were talking about how easy it would be to, or how difficult it might be to get a knife through a skull like that, I think the show wasn't quite as um, easygoing with that as as we might have thought. You'd think that twisting the knife would make it harder. I think twisting the knife would make it easier to get out, but I also think twisting it would be really difficult unless the skull is already compromised in a great deal. That's true. That's very true. You know, I mean, you you get it in, that's fine. It's the pointy end going in. So if you can do that, twisting it, that's looks like it would be pretty hard. So let's see. If you had uh, tried to stick a knife into a tree mm-hmm. that had a really soft innard, let's say the tree only had, uh, you know, a quarter inch of bark on it, and you stuck it into the wood. But firm, hard bark. Well, hard, yeah, hard bark. And you, Or let's just take a knife and stick it through a, a sheet of plywood, mm-hmm. right? Sheet of plywood... You know, stick it through as hard as you can and then twist. Impossible. And then pull it out. Impossible. You yeah. could stick it in and pull it out. The twist is the hard part. I don't know if you could even stick it in and pull it out. I, I'm just saying, assuming you could stick it in. Yeah. The pointy end going in first. Twisting it is the hard part. You know, the, our skulls are designed to be really hard to penetrate. Mm-hmm. Like the whole point of the skull is to protect the brain. That's a solid piece of bone up there with no moving parts. <laughs> You know, there are joints, but they're all fused together uh-huh. after you're a baby. And, you know, if they had, you know, zombies, maybe they just all develop soft spots again, like babies do, because they need to squish their faces into cars through the window. And in order to do that, having movable skull plates that collapse would be beneficial. Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, uh, a dead person's bones are bound to deteriorate over time. Yeah. So I would think that the bones get softer and softer and thinner and smaller. Well, look at the teabag zombie. You know, usually your spine is designed to keep your legs on (laughs) and the bottom half of your body on there too, but that's the problem. That's true. Uh, Yeah, he just tore right in half. So maybe they're decaying. And and the skulls, maybe the bone and the bone structure is getting softer. Right. Um, I still don't think a twist would happen though. How thick is a skull? Do you know? No, I don't know. I got no idea. How thick is a skull? The internet will tell us. It will tell us. While I read this email, you look that up. All right. CJ from the internet writes in, regarding the security guards, I think they were actually policemen. We talked about this last week on the show. We weren't sure. He says, first, it was a public works read government facility, which wouldn't use private security guards. Second, they had shoulder radios. Third, they showed the police cars at one point. The uniform thing should be disregarded. Each municipality here in the States has different uniforms, including style and color. So saying they weren't the same as Rick and Shane's doesn't mean anything. Right. Okay. I guess it's like here. I mean, the Toronto Metropolitan Police have different uniforms than the OPP. And of course, everyone knows what Mounties look like. So uh, yeah, I we shouldn't have assumed that the uniforms would give it away. But uh, CJ seems to think that they were policemen. And I think uh, makes a good point. Yep, I agree. Did you find that human skull thing? Well, uh, from what I can see, it is about, apparently women have thicker skulls than men. And uh, men with 6.5 millimeters, but 7.1 millimeters in women. 
Okay. There you go. 6.5 millimeters. 6.5. That's... What's, uh, what's that in uh, inches? Well, 6.5 millimeters is j- just, you know, half, over half a centimeter. It's not very thick. Jeez. No, it's not. Uh, 0.25, quarter of an inch. Quarter of an inch skull. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I'm, I'm Canadian, and I can better envision quarter of an inch than I can 6.5 millimeters. How sad is that? Well, no, it's a whole, it's a, <laughs> it's a whole topic for another day about our weird mixture of the metric system and inches and feet and miles and stuff. Right. We won't do that right now. What we will do is this. Next week on The Walking Dead. Next week on The Walking Dead. Uh, next week episode is uh, titled Better Angels. And we talked about this previously with the uh, the connection to West Wing. The West Wing. The West Wing and also the um, Abraham Lincoln Abraham address. Lincoln, that's right. Yeah. So apparently the group learns that someone dangerous may be on the loose near the farm. As night falls, Rick, Shane, Daryl, and Glenn comb the woods to handle the situation and keep the group safe. Okay. Uh, so they, I don't know, just the image of combing the woods always strikes me as funny. It reminds me of combing the desert. Combing the woods. We ain't found shit. (laughs) So written by Evan Riley and Glenn Mazzara and directed by Guy Furland. Okay, cool. Um, Glenn Mazzara involved in the writing once again. Mm -hmm. So from here on in, everyone, I should have said before, we are talking about next week's episode of The Walking Dead and it's, uh, there could be spoilers in what you hear. Well, they're going to comb the woods. They are going to comb the woods, so... Hopefully that doesn't upset too many people that you know that. And I'm going to play the audio from the teaser trailer for next week's episode. Here we go. On the next episode of AMC's The Walking Dead. Dale said this group is broken. We're going to prove him wrong. I made a mess of things. I can't imagine how hard that is on you. Cut him loose. Back to that now. This is what's happening. Swallow it. Just snuck up on me, clocked me in the face. Get everybody back in the house. Glenn, Daryl, come with us. There are only two episodes left this season. So I don't know if you've watched the video of that. I have not. But more or less what happens is I think they decide to let Randall go. and um, Or they decide to do something with him anyways. And T-Dog goes to the barn to get him and finds that he has escaped. So the description... Uh, that someone dangerous is in the woods probably just means Randall. That's Randall. Yeah, it's Randall. It could be Randall's people, but I think it's probably just Randall who's trying to get away. And when you hear Shane say, he just snuck up on me and clocked me in the face, you see Shane coming up, I think towards the farm, you know, with blood all over his face, like he just took a punch. So somebody somebody was punching him in the tears. (laughs) That's right. Somebody (laughs) was punching him in the tears. Um, so it sounds like Randall gets away and everyone decides to comb the woods That's to right. find him. Now, uh, at the end there, did uh, did he say, Glenn, Dale, come with me? It really sounds like it. And I had to listen three or four times, but he's saying, Glenn, Daryl, come with me. Okay, good. Not Dale. Because that would be weird. Yeah, it's the first thing I thought of too when I heard it. I'm like, what? Dale, Dale pick up your gun, guts, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> come on. You know, maybe Dale's a zombie. And, and he, listens to orders. And listens to orders. Come with uh, me. <laughs> uh, but even that's impossible because he took a bullet through the brain, I would think. so. Well, we don't know that. I guess We not. heard a shot and we heard a sorry, brother, and uh, it, it faded to black right then and there. Here's what I think happened. I think Daryl says, sorry, brother, 
it goes to black, and then Rick shoots Daryl to right. stop him from killing Dale because he has a sudden realization. Uh, maybe Dale had one of those. Uh, you remember early on we talked about a force field pen, and you click the pen, pen and they <laughs> creates a force field around you. Did we? I, I vaguely remember. It that. had to do with uh, what's her name in the CDC when it blew up. And oh her, right, uh, her uh, coming back in the next season, Jackie. Because, yeah. Jackie, because she didn't die because she had a force field pen. <laughs> Of course. What? Why? What else? Why wouldn't she have a force field pen? Well, I mean, if they're maybe they gave them out at the CDC. Everybody has one now. That's true. If you're gonna need to survive through some sort of epidemic, that's right. Force field pens are the way to go. Right. Uh, and and a and a, <laughs> uh, a horn of plenty. Of course. Do you know what a horn of plenty is? Uh, I know what a bag of holding is. Bag of holding. Yeah, that'd be good to have. But a horn of plenty is a uh, magical horn where uh, every day it uh, generates enough food to feed five people for a day. Really? Yeah. Boy, that's handy. It's very handy to have. Five people generates enough food every day for five people. That's right. It's a horn of plenty. Wow. That's it. Don't have to carry food anymore. I've only got four people in my family. I could use one of those. Yeah, horn of plenty would be great. If I had six people, it wouldn't work so well. Well, I think it's five people. I might be making that part (laughs) up, but it it generates food. Anyhow, good to know that. Um, But there you go. Next week's episode, Better Angels. It'll be on next Sunday night, and it's the... Second last one. Yeah. For season two. So yep. we're plowing through here. They better get to the uh get to the prison pretty quick. Um since we're in next time on The Walking Dead, I want to address something really quick that has come to light on the internet. Okay. And that is a massive, massive spoiler was accidentally released by AMC. Uh oh. Last week. AMC released it. By accident. I'm not going to say what it is. We don't I, you know, I know we don't really shy away from spoilers that much on this show, but I can't bring myself to say this. And I don't even know if you know what it is. Oh, so. I don't know what it is. And I'm uh, internally torn as to whether or not I want to know what well, this is. Well, maybe we'll talk off air, but... Um, I think I do want to know what know what it is because generally I don't like to be spoiled, but uh, we're in a pretty particular situation here and I think I need to take one take it for the team okay well I'm I'm not going to say it on the air okay. because it is it is is huge I just wanted to bring it up because people might be wondering why we haven't addressed it and uh it's one of those things that to me is not is not something that requires discussion on a podcast like this right uh in my opinion and you know it's out there people have seen it it went around the news feeds like wildfire and yeah, that's it. If you want to know what it is, just go and Google AMC accidental spoiler release or something like that, and right. you'll find it. But we're not talking about it because I don't think there would be any value in talking about it. When it happens on the show, we'll talk about it then. Right. And we're only two episodes away, so it's going to be in the next two episodes, I guess. So if you're so inclined, bury your head in the sand and just watch the show. That's right. There you go. We'll discuss afterwards. There you go. And on that note, I think that is going to do it for this episode of The Talking Dead. If you want to give us a call, I highly recommend you do so on the Zomb line. It is a toll-free call, and it is 1-866-483-ZOMB. That's 1-866-483-9662. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. There's always a lot of activity over there and people posting their comments and reactions. We are on Twitter, at Talking Dead, although to be fair, I don't tweet much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I watch it, so if you want to get in touch with us that way, you can. And, of course, you can email us at TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Groovy. 
All right, that's going to do it. We'll see you next week, everyone. For The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Bye.